swing, swing, swing here. Oh, hammer that. Give me some of this over the triple <laughs> block. Yes. That guy's going to swing no matter where he is. Ace. It's over. Welcome to Over the Top, your all-access view inside BYU men's volleyball. I am Jerem Jordan. He is Steve Vale. We are bouncing back like the Cougars after last week, man. The Cougars have absolutely bounced back, so why shouldn't we? Three wins in a row. We'll break it down. We'll recap the carnage that is the Cougars' opponents with convincing wins against three different teams, all on the road. Steve's wow moments of the week and 80s or 90s movies or TV show of the week as well. I always take notes on that one. And we'll chat with head coach Sean Olmstead, a two-parter today, about what BYU can become and if not being number one is a good thing for this team. So let's get you updated with the last week of Cougar Volleyball. Last week we talked about BYU's loss in 3-8 Grand Canyon on the show, the longest set in NCAA history in set two, the bummer that was losing a second time. Then the Cougars woke up. They responded like I think we thought they would. A sweep versus Grand Canyon last Saturday. Then Thursday this week, Concordia Irvine two days ago, sweep. And last night at USC, sweep. Boom, boom, boom. That's the BYU we know and love, Steve. They showed up. Yeah, finally, right? They're actually playing like the BYU that we do know and love. And the team that they were last year, I think they're, uh, they're coming back into form uh, and becoming that team again this year. So, of course, after the loss to Grand Canyon, BYU drops from 1-2 to two in, the, in the ABCA poll. They already were 2 in the media poll. I voted BYU number 1 after the first loss, but not the second loss. So I am uh, on board with BYU, the number 2 team. Hawaii is the number 1 team. And I agree with that. I am excited for the potential of them playing at some point, hopefully in the postseason. But we'll see. So let's dig into some of the details of those three matches since our last show a week ago. The win versus Grand Canyon was a 24-pointer. That is the margin of victory combined of the three sets. That's a big win. That's a new thing I'm looking at this year, by the way. I just think that tells a story, how much you won by. Scoring margin tells a story. Davide Gardini hit 588. That's pretty good. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez hit 429. And by the way, Taylor Tufunga got in the lineup in set two. So BYU responded two days later after that loss. Yeah, and they even had a little bit of a different look in their lineup. And I think BYU, I love the fact that, that Sean is, the squad is deep enough that they can get different looks in there with different athletes. And they're all so dang good. So it's, it's just fun to see these guys, you know, with their feet underneath them again. And we haven't seen any of those true freshmen at this point. BYU advanced uh, to the point where, hey, your time will come later, like a mixed Ramanis and these guys. A little bit later. Then this week at Concordia Irvine, there was Cougar on Cougar crime. Sean Patchell, former BYU player and head coach, coaches the Concordia Irvine Eagles. Brigham won in three, uh, convincingly, by five, six, and six for a 17-point winner. That's domination. And it was Zach Eschenberg, uh, career-high 16 kills, hit 469. Sean Olmstead said he's been working on his range. That was great to see. Davide Gardini, 450, 12 kills, 12 digs in three sets. That's so awesome. I love to see the big guy, Gardini, get in there and, and making a difference defensively as well. And good for Zach, man. No longer the forgotten man. This guy is absolutely one of the big-time powerhouse hitters for this BYU offense. Okay, then Friday night, last night at USC, BYU won a tighter match um, in this one. Uh, and, and it was a win by 3-3-5. Three, three and five. Uh, but still, Gardini and Garcia-Fernandez combined for 28 kills and 14 digs, and BYU took care of business, went on the road and won two and came home. And I love it. They did it in convincing fashion, and they should be doing that with, with teams like you know that aren't the top teams in the nation. They should be able to, to pull it out in three sets, so good for them to, to get it done. So 8-2 and two on the season so far. BYU had the first six at home. BYU's gone on the road 
for four straight and gone three and one in those four. How do you feel about where BYU's at right now? I think uh, I think it's actually a good place for them. I love the fact that uh, they have lost a couple times, but they did it early on in the year. And so, if anything, that's just going to put kindling on the fire and get that that fire in their belly, so that when it comes time to peak late uh, April, early May, I think they're on their way to being able to become that team that they need to be to get on top and and beat Hawaii because Hawaii is really really good this year. We are halfway through the season right now. We have uh, you know. Ten matches in, ten matches to go. Stanford at home next week on Friday and Saturday, both on BYU TV at 9 Eastern time, 6 Pacific. At Pepperdine for a pair after that. At Concordia Irvine for a pair after that. No Eagles in Provo. Couldn't work it out with the schedule. That's the only MPSF team BYU won't host, uh, perhaps in the tournament. We'll see. USC at home April 1st and 2nd. We'll have those on BYU TV as well. And then a, a Tuesday and a Saturday at UCLA, which is super weird. I'm assuming BYU is just going to stay down there. But a Tuesday, April 6th, and a Saturday. Then BYU hosts the MPSF tournament. Whether BYU is the one seed or not, they just said, hey, we got to get out of California, essentially. Um, I'm not speaking for the league, but sort of. <laughs> and, and they weren't going to go to Phoenix, I guess. Uh, but Provo makes sense. And then we'll see what the TV element is, TBD, on some of those details. We're halfway through. Um, what does BYU need to do to make sure that when they're done with the regular season, they're they're peaking at the right time, Steve? Well, and that's the thing, you know, BYU, the the mentality from from starting the year being number one and trying to to hang on to that the whole year that just puts a lot of pressure on you and, and kind of unneeded pressure. I really do. I like the fact that they are down at number two now, and so the the spotlight is off them. So they just need to continue to build and, and, like Sean said, trust each other so that when, uh, when you know, and even that one point that he made about, you know, look, you don't have to try to finish the point every time. If the set's not there, if the timing's off, your, your approach or whatever, just keep the ball in play and trust your teammates that they're going to come through for you. Those are the types of things. And once BYU figures those things out and, and, and can get to the point where they absolutely trust each other, I think that's the kind of a team that's going to be able to get on top and win uh, and get another banner on there, which, man, they had, it's what, since 04? Yeah, it's been 04. a long time. It's been a silly amount of time. Okay, coming up, a two-part conversation from this morning with John Olmstead from the airport. Is number two a better spot in the rankings to him than number one for this team? Over the Top continues on BYU Radio. Welcome back to Over the Top. I'm Jerem Jordan with the Steve Vale. Steve says wow a lot during matches, so naturally it's time for... This is Steve's Moments of the Week. And BYU continues to win, so there are more wow moments. Yeah, there's quite a few, actually. BYU, having getting swept by a very good Grand Canyon team, they've won nine straight. They have swept everybody since. So wow moment number one. The other is the career leader in their last win against USC, Zach Eschenberg with 16 kills, hitting 429. Super wow moment. Yeah, I love that, that you can go three matches in a row, bang, 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 win in sweeps, convincing in some of them, right? No more deuce sets. That was a thing of the past uh, in the last three. And uh, more wow moments of the week. That was Steve's Moments of the Week. 
Okay, BYU was traveling at the time of the show this week, so this week's conversation with Sean Olmstead was from the John Wayne Airport in Santa Ana, California, one of your favorites. That's a great airport, right? Oh, absolutely. One Long of my Beach is actually my favorite. Is it? LAX, okay. the worst. Long <laughs> Beach, the best, right? But uh, John Wayne Airport, Sean Olmstead's the last guy on the plane. We're chatting. It was nice of him to uh, catch up as the Cougars return from a rare Thursday-Friday schedule this week. So how has this team responded this way since a second loss this season? Here's head coach Sean Olmstead. Since the loss at Grand Canyon on night one, you've won the next nine sets, uh, winning Saturday against Grand Canyon, and then this week, Thursday against Concordia Irvine, and last night against USC. Um, what did it mean to have your team respond in that way since that loss? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a team that we've, <clears throat> sorry, lost my voice this weekend, so and making sure everyone <laughs> wasn't freaking out that talked to me that I'm totally fine, been tested multiple times, just lost my voice a little. But um, no, we, you know, this is, we're getting to see a little more and more the team that uh, we know these guys are capable of becoming. And um, so we've been really focusing on uh, a little more urgency to get there to, you know, a little more intent with every touch and, and the team starting to starting to feel that and they're playing that way. So we we're continuing to emphasize, you know, the physicality from the service line being assertive there. And uh, we're seeing some good things, but defensively we're picking it up as well. And those have been really good for us, uh, especially in the back row, you know, getting more touches. So uh, I'm pleased right now, but uh, the guys know that there's a lot of work ahead for sure. Last week you talked about, um, I don't know if frustration is the right word, perhaps, but uh, just wanting the guys to trust each other more. How does that trust manifest itself on the court? And did you see that at a higher level the last three matches? Well, yeah, that's what that's exactly what we've seen, you know, and it, and, and it, it is uh, something that it's a great question because at times like it can come off as really strange. What does that mean? Trust each other. But I think in volleyball, you know, what what we're talking about is you know, not trying to end a rally on your own or believing that you have to be the last, the last touch, or I've got to kill this ball. We've got to take good disciplined swings, trusting that, Hey, my teammates are going to cover me trusting that if we get the ball back again, or if we give them the ball back in a tough, give them the ball in a tough situation, we're going to get a good block up. We're going to get a touch defensively. So that's what we're referring to when we talk about that a lot. And it's been a, it's been something that we're continuing to talk with our guys because at times we just feel like some of the guys, we've got the physicality, we've got these big, strong guys that at times want to just make something out of, uh, out of a not so good play or set or toss. And, and we just don't need to overdo it, you know, trust each other that we're going to get another opportunity, you know, work for each other and play that way and, and good things will come our way. You've talked about the uh, perhaps carelessness associated with the idea of, hey, careful, we're not just last year's team automatically. And, and you brought up in, in our conversation here, hey, we need to become the team we need to become. Um, what, what goes into that with this group? Because on the outside, we've talked about it. People look at this group and go, oh, they're going to they're gonna be in Columbus on uh, May 8th playing for the Natty, you know, just automatically. But it's sure. not that easy. And you're getting everyone's best shot every time. And you have a couple of losses, and now you're number two now, which is still excellent. But um, what, what is going into that process with this team at this point in March where, hey, at the end of next month in Provo, you're hoping to compete and win an MPSF tournament and then, and then go get the real, the, the real title in May? 
Yeah, and and just you know the fact that the tournament's already been declared in Provo, you know, there's a lot of people thinking again that's just a shoe in, and that's that's what we're trying to block out that noise and tell the guys that you know none of that matters. What matters is we've got a a great group of guys, and if we can work towards becoming the best team that this group of guys is able to become end of April and May, then we believe we're a really, really good team. But it it is important to block out that noise. And these athletes these days, they're surrounded, they're inundated from all angles with everything, Uh, you know, like you reference, hey, you're going to be there. You got this. This team's already a lock for this and that. And that's just not the case. Nobody else cares about that. You know, it's on my it's on my wall. <laughs> None of the other teams care uh, the, who you guys got. They're going to come out firing. We've seen that. And uh, and so it's it's good. These losses have been good for us, you know, kind of bring us down to earth a little bit. And, uh, you know, because, of course, that's not the language we're using. We've never used that. We would never do that. But uh, it's the reality of today's world and 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 these expectations here and there. And we've just got to eliminate that. And if we're building towards becoming the best team that we, this group can become, then I do believe we're going to be a really, really tough out and we're going to be a great team. We're talking to more raspy Sean Olmstead, the head coach. Of <laughs> Sorry about that. Teams. Who, who, it's not that bad. Who, who, uh, who got your wrath yelling the most? Was it the refs? Was it an individual? No, <laughs> I just, it was, no, I wasn't yelling at all. And I went to blame. It was literally like, I've never had this happen. It was just, Boom. And one moment right before the match started, I said, Blaine, I'm starting to lose my voice, but I just want to give you a heads up. I, I feel fine. We'd been tested right before. I said, I'm fine. I feel great, but man, I'm losing my voice. And so it's your Doc Rivers. You were in Southern yeah. California. You wanted your Doc Rivers, right? <laughs> That's perfect. Hey, there you go. There you go. <laughs> UFC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doc Rivers is now with the Sixers. He's moved on. But uh, good to see the team. Not not just win, Steve, but like we talked about, uh, dominate and, and take it to these teams. Granted, the competition a little less than what it was with Grand Canyon. I think Grand Canyon's you know a top three team in the MPSF, but that was that was good work by BYU to answer that loss last week. Yeah, I think it was too. And and, and to be able to win in convincing fashion, three straight, three times in a row, uh, that's a big time swing right there for BYU. I mean, they've gone some really long matches this this year already, but just to be able to kind of win three straight, three times in a row, that's a big deal, I think, for them. And trusting each other is a big deal. And that was an interesting comment from Sean about how that's manifest. Not trying to end a rally by yourself. Trusting that your teammates will cover, that you can get a block, that you can make a dig. That trust was there last year. I don't know why it wouldn't be there at the same level this year. But BYU is getting everyone's best shot this year. It's it's different than it was last year. No, it is different because last year they kind of were they were up there, but they weren't the team. And this year they started out in the year being the team, and, and so deserved they, to have that. Sure, no, but I'm just saying they've got a big target on their chest yeah. now, and all these other teams like nobody really thought about. It. I didn't think that Grand Canyon was going to be anything special any more so than they were last year. They're freaking dominant. Like they're really really good from all areas of the court. And so, and there's going to be a lot of other teams that are like, hey, we want our respect. We want people to look at us as we're a big deal. And so they're coming after BYU. So it's, it's, it's very different this year than it is last year. Yeah, different kind of motivations from year to year. And BYU still in a good spot like we talked about, 8-2. and two, 
and you know five different weekends left until the MPSF tournament. So it's not like uh, you have a ton of time to figure it out, but uh, BYU in a good spot now after that loss last week. Okay, as we go to break, and we will have part two with Sean Olmstead coming up. Here's today's trivia question. On Thursday, March 12th of last year, the Cougars were at the airport to fly somewhere to play their first match as the number one team in the country after splitting with number one Hawaii. Then COVID showed everything down. Where was BYU headed? The answer after the break. Today's trivia question, where was BYU headed to play before COVID shut everything down last year? The answer, Stanford. In fact, BYU took its bags off the plane, didn't get on the plane, and came home, and then everything shut down. The next day, the NCAA called all the spring sports, and it was over. So back to part two of our conversation with Shauna Olmstead earlier today. Cougars and Cardinal tangle this weekend. Here's part two with Coach Olmstead. Okay, there's seven teams in the MPSF. You're one of them, of course. You've played everybody but one team, and that's your mm-hmm. next opponent uh, next week yep. at Stanford. Certainly yep. with Stanford, it's it's a sensitive time because it's the last year of the men's volleyball program. They are trying to raise funds to save not only men's volleyball, but a bunch of the other Olympic sports, and it's somewhat complicated. Perhaps it's very simple, but that's going to be an emotional set of matches, and perhaps you meet up again in the MPSF uh, you know, tournament, but Man, John Costi and those guys have meant a ton to this league, and here they come into the Smith Fieldhouse for perhaps the last set of matches ever. Yeah, it it really is, actually, because I've got so many fond memories as a player playing Stanford at home, away, and MPSF tournaments, and then now as a coach. I think the world of John Costi, you know, he's actually got a lot of family, uh, a lot of very close relatives living in Utah, so he always they always come. A few of them are actually my neighbors, so we were in the same war we were actually for years in the same ward until just recently and so they would always come in their stanford gear and i'd give them i'd heckle them at church and stuff and but i i think uh, you know very highly of him and the program he's run and it's just unfortunate it's it's so unfortunate especially a school like that and 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 the tradition and the history and the the olympians etc i could go on and on so it's uh, it's going to be strange. Um, I hope you know we're gonna we're gonna get to play them. We're gonna finally have some fans in the house, um, and then uh, we're you know it'd be great to play them again in the MPSF tournament. Just because I think so much of that program, and you just don't want that to happen. And you're they're doing all they can, and so hopefully things can uh, maybe in the end work out. But um, it, it looks like a tough road ahead for those guys. So we're just excited to be able to play them again. There's some epic matches together, uh, you know, against the Shochis, of course. You know, when they won the national championship in 2010, it was emotional for them because they were the worst team in the league. The worst you know, three, team, yeah. Three years before, and then they went on their home court, and uh, just just a lot of history there. Also, some fun some fun stories, right? Like playing in Maples against those guys. Their fans have been notoriously pretty crazy, right? Oh yeah, I mean, just <laughs> even even last year they had to kick out like 10, 10 of them. They were started freaking. <laughs> they started freaking throwing peanut M&Ms on the court. I was like, what is going on here? You know? And, uh, and, and I went to the ref and I said, Hey, look, if you don't control this, it's going to get out of hand. I mean, they're literally hitting our guys with peanut M&Ms. Like, you know, uh, you got to get some control here. And luckily their administration stepped in and they got their guys, those guys out of the, out of the gym. 
but yeah, it's been it's been some great memories for sure. Only five weeks left in the regular season. Uh, this week, of, of course, you go from one to two. And, and you said, Carl McGowan said, uh, you know, you don't want to be one to start. You know, everyone's gunning for you. You want to be like five, right where we, right where we want them or whatever. Is, yep. being, is being two better for this team motivationally? I don't know that it, how you feel about this, but I almost wonder with this group if they, if they need that, like, oh, we're not respected. We need that extra thing. I don't know. You know, I don't, I, I don't know if I have the perfect answer to that, too, but I can tell you right now, being number two, absolutely wonderful place to be. I, I'll take yeah. four, I'll take five, you know, because like I said, what we're building for, we're com- confident in that. We have that confidence and, and that's where we're building, you know, so being in that spot right now is, is not a bad place to be. It'd be funny if the rest of the year publicly you said, Hey, Hawaii, man, they're the team to beat. Look at those guys. They're amazing. <laughs> well, they, well, they just, are. They are right just, now. And they, they are, are, right? Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, shift the narrative absolutely. to it's not us, it's them. And then you show up in Columbus and, and hopefully we have an epic match, right? That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay, only five weeks left in the regular season, which is gnarly. It feels like we just started going, but uh, we're into March. End of April is going to be the tourney. So Stanford next weekend. Pep, at Pepperdine on the road, Concordia Irvine on the road, and then you come back home again for uh, USC and then at UCLA. So what's yep. what's what's left for this team to do to be peaking in uh, late April? You know, just, uh, I mean, I don't know how to answer that perfectly, what's left for them to do. I mean, they still have a lot. They still, we still have a lot of work to do. I think there's a, still a handful of uh, areas in our game that we need to improve upon, our transition game. Uh, we've got to make uh, better decisions in transition, better swings in transition. Those numbers are pretty low. Um, and so there's things like that. I think our block still needs to come around to, you know, to form. And so th- that, that, that in and of itself is a lot of work for us to do ahead. So you're, you're jumping on a plane here in a second. Yeah. Who, I'm literally like, the last one they're waiting. They're looking at me like, they're hey, like we got to close the door. Hey, I'm we got to right close outside the, the plane. Yeah. Okay, so la- last question with that in mind. Uh, who's yeah. the best Who's the best travel hang on the team? Which player or coach are you like, oh, I love hanging out with them on the road because they're, they're the best hang, and why? Yeah, Blaine Empey, our trainer. That's just <laughs> my that's, – that's my guy. I just uh, – we, we chat everything uh, away that, that is not volleyball, life, everything, family. So I love hanging out with Blaine. Blaine's the man. Okay, well, safe travels, and thanks, Sean. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, last call for Sean Olmstead to the plane. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate him taking a minute That's before so he awesome. got on the plane. And so, uh, yeah, they the guys were traveling. But really poignant conversation because Stanford, like we talked about, so much history there. And, Steve, you and I have done a ton of matches with the Cardinal. I am devastated for their program that it's going to be cut out this year. I am so sad about that. I'm a huge John Costi fan, and I know you are too. He is such a good dude. And so it's really, really sad to to have this be their final year. I hope they can figure out a way to raise the funds to be able to make that program stick. They are trying, Um, and it's not just men's volleyball. It's a bunch of sports, and they're upset. A lot of alumni are upset about what's going on with um, Stanford Athletics, generally speaking. And the arms race that is collegiate athletics – to try and keep up with the Joneses and the cost of business, even at a place like Stanford where the endowment is just massive. I was going to say, they yeah. They still can't handle it. Like, it's really disappointing that that's the case. And by the way, Jalen Jasper, 
the best player for the Cardinal the last couple of years. He's not playing this year. I imagine he's redshirting, and I imagine he will transfer. Yeah. I've been told that Pepperdine is a possibility for him. Oh, okay. So we'll see if that's actually the case, um, but it, it will be interesting. Okay, how about peanut M&Ms being thrown at BYU players from Stanford students? That story. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> what? I like. I know the rocks not like a hundred percent innocent in this in Provo. They ain't, but they ain't throwing peanut M and M's. At least throw the peanut butter M and M's that are a little softer, right? <laughs> or just the regular ones, which are smaller. <laughs> and then the being number two versus number one thing. Um, we've talked about this, Steve. I think this is going to be a good thing for this group because you've talked about it too. There's a difference, and no fans. And I just think this group needs a little more motivation than they had had of being at number one. What is the motivation when you're one? It's the meet the standard. That's hard. When it's number two, it's like, we're gunning for Hawaii. So I was kidding with Sean, but I'm actually serious. He should be saying the rest of the year, Hawaii is the team to beat, man. Look at us. We have multiple losses. We're vulnerable. Hawaii is the team to beat. But just as a PR ploy. Like, don't actually believe that, but just say it, and then go beat Hawaii. In a national championship, perhaps, in Columbus in May. I absolutely agree with you. I think being number one, it's a completely different mindset. And it's just trying to cling to that spot, right? It's just not have anybody take it away from you. But when you're number two and you can, like you said, just get to the with the group and have that conversation that it is – this isn't ours. It's ours to take from somebody else. But when it's it's ah, oh, I I would never want to be the number one. Just simply for that one reason, is when you're number two or further back, anything is possible, and you're motivated just to get to that spot, not to keep that spot. So I I love the fact that they're number one or number two, and they've lost a couple times because now they should be a little more hungry than they would be if they were just up there on the top. I want two things in May. Three things. My, it's my daughter's birthday. I want a great birthday party for my daughter. I want BYU to play Ohio State in the semis and just smash them because <laughs> 2017 was very upsetting watching BYU get that was hard crushed in front of a record crowd there. And then two, I want a rematch with Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I just think there could be this a epic conclusion. Rematch. Yes, but there's work to be done. Absolutely. Okay, it's time for the most important part of the show. Yes, the 80s or 90s TV or movie of the week from one Stephen F. Vale. You know, uh, yeah, you're close. Um, it's evil, but whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I'll give you a hint. Um, lots of people go to school for seven years. Yeah, I know. They're called doctors. Uh, I went with uh, Tommy Boy because I miss— Oh, it's a wonderful uh, flick. I miss Chris Farley, and that's yes. such uh, just one of the greatest movies of all time. Is that for me? No, that's for me. <laughs> That'll do it for us. We'll be back every Saturday throughout the season. Saturday is at 2.30 Eastern here on BYU Radio and On Demand on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. For the last guy on the plane, Sean Olmstead, producer Liam Howard and Steve Vale, I'm Jerem Jordan. This has been Over the Top 